I'm Danny, that witch next door. And you're listening to That Witch Podcast. episode of that witch podcast. And if this is your first time here and you don't know me, hi, I'm Danny. I'm that witch next door. I'm going to be your host, your guide, your mentor and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft, astrology, and witchy business. And I am super excited because last season, episode 60, to be exact, if you wanted to go back and listen to it, or if you've never listened to it before, um, we kind of started our tarot conversation around here. And I am so excited to start going deeper and deeper into this subject and this practice with all of you. And today, what we're going to be covering is a really cardamancy. So I always use the, I use the phrase tarot slightly inaccurately because I do use it sometimes on accident as a blanket term. Um, but the true blanket term is actually cardamancy and cardamancy is the art of, or skill of combination of both, um, of reading cards for divine purposes. Some definitions will tell you it's to specifically read the future, read someone's fortune. Uh, a lot of us in the witchcraft and magical and spiritual community um, and even astrological community, right? Uh, tons of astrologers also use tarot and cardamancy in their practice. We don't always use the cards for future purposes or, or even if we do, the questions aren't necessarily geared toward what's going to happen in the future. It's more often than not, it's a lot of what can I do now to get to where I want to go or where I'm trying to go tomorrow or 20 years from now. Um, so when I say tarot for self versus others, I really mean cardamancy, but most people are not very familiar with this term. So this means that we're, we are talking about tarot, like the traditional tarot decks and tarot cards, but this can also apply to any cards that you use for sacred um, or divination purposes. Okay. So this can be tarot, like the Rider Waite Smith deck, Tarot de Marseille. Those are, um, those are probably two of, if not the most common or most popular used decks, I guess. Um, but this also goes for oracle decks. Okay. So if you work with different oracle decks, sometimes they're called spirit decks. So um, this would work there as well. And a lot of people don't know this, but you can actually use regular old playing cards for cardamancy, for divination and um, sacred exploration as well, because our regular playing cards actually came from the tarot deck. Look it up. It's really, really fascinating. But our deck, our current playing deck is a slimmer version. So there's 52 cards in a standard playing deck. There's 78 cards in a standard tarot deck. And if you also read reversals, that doubles the amount of cards and readings. Okay. So you can you can really, really use any cards that you are drawn to or you already have or that you really enjoy, okay, for divination and sacred 
it could be sacred and spiritual self-development um, for yourself or for other people. Okay. So that's kind of everything. All of that will fall under the umbrella of today. It doesn't matter the type of deck. Okay. So this does not have to be a strictly tarot is all I wanted you to know. Um, and if you are like, what? I didn't know you could use a playing card deck, but that feels a little intimidating. Well, didn't you feel a little intimidated when you first started learning tarot? It's fascinating to kind of play around with different deck styles. Um, and a playing card deck can definitely fit into that category. Um, it can be really, really interesting and really, really fun. So look into that if you're feeling called. So when I'm talking about tarot or cardamancy, for self versus others. The reason I wanted to do this episode is because I think that tarot and reading cards uh, very often starts as a self-practice. Not always, but very, very often starts as a self-practice. And it's very common that this kind of grows outside oneself. And you may feel called or even directly asked uh, by other people to read cards for them, especially the more that you practice and you kind of get used to doing it for yourself. You might even notice that other people unconsciously pick this up about you. Um, you might not even realize you're kind of emitting that spiritual aura um, and kind of drawing the moths to a flame. So if you've been being asked by people or if you've been feeling really called, it's really, really common. First and foremost, when it comes to this subject, what I want to give some space and freedom for is I want you to read for who you want to read for. So if you want to put up a really firm and strict boundary that you don't read tarot for anyone but yourself, please do that. I also have met people that do the opposite. And they never or rarely read tarot for themselves. And they have one or a couple really trusted readers they go to, or they try out different readers and they just get readings from people. I don't personally think that there's anything wrong with either of these paths or direction. I don't personally believe that any one of these ways is, is necessarily more effective than the other, because I think that it depends on so many other factors for that person. Any one person can have so many different reasons for why they read any cards um, and then who they do and do not read them for, okay? This is a very, very personal practice. And just like we kind of talked about in that cardamancy, that intro to cardamancy episode a few months ago, you know, the reason this is so personal is because your deck, just like any of your other spiritual or witchcraft or sacred tools, becomes an extension of you. Your relationship with this tool, with this deck, becomes and grows more and more sacred and more and more personal every single time you use it, okay? So I, first and foremost, want to give you the permission to put up whatever boundaries you need to around this practice to make it sacred for you. It should feel really aligned, really authentic, and really special to you, first and foremost. Um, and honestly, where most of this is going to come down to 
any of your decisions when it comes to who to read for, when you read for them, what kind of questions you will and won't ask. It really comes down to what you're comfortable with. Your discomfort level and your comfort level on the flip side, both will be major and very accurate uh, telltale signs essentially for you throughout this process. And honestly, you will very, very likely try things out and then change your mind. You might read a certain way for years and then decide you don't want to do that anymore. You might go through phases and stages of how you read and what deck you use and who you read for and the style of questions that you ask. So I really want you to tap into your body, okay? Because it will always indicate these different comfort levels for you, Um but I, I, I want you to know that tarot is a practice that's going to strengthen your intuition. And it's really, really important that you honor that. That if you're going to be building this relationship with your intuition, you don't betray your own trust. That is one of the most important things, I think. Whether or not you're reading for yourself, for other people, or both. I think that when you embark on this journey, you're kind of making a commitment and promise of trust to yourself and to your intuition. And it's important to honor that. And it's really important to take it seriously. And those are the relationships and tarot practices that really truly flourish and thrive. Okay. So just always keep that in the back of your mind. It should feel right for you because it should feel like an act that furthers and nurtures the trust you have within this sacred practice for yourself. Now, when it comes to reading for yourself or other people, and if you are maybe debating, I don't know if I want to read for other people, Danny, or I don't really like reading for myself, Danny. Well, I want you to at least start the process of having that conversation with yourself. What are you enjoying what have you historically enjoyed? Um, and what do you think will feel the best for you? Does it feel really inauthentic to read for other people? Does it feel really, really scary? Does it feel uncomfortable? Does it feel confusing? Do you get imposter syndrome? Ask Ask how it feels and then name the actual feelings because this will give you an actual indicator of, okay, well, these are just nerves. I can work through nerves. I still am feeling called to reading for other people. And I'm also noting that I'm feeling really nervous about that. And I'm noting some insecurities coming up around that. Okay, and then you can explore those. But if it's more of a message of, I don't know, Danny, there's just something in me that this is, I'm supposed to read for myself. It's just, it's a very sacred, very private and personal practice to me. Then honor that self-trust and nurture that and, and fortify those boundaries. And don't be afraid to tell people, no, sorry, I don't read for anybody else. You can always say, these are some of my favorite tarot readers that I follow on social media. You know, if you have any kind of reference or recommendation or direction you want to send them in, but just so you know, you don't even have to do that. I always want to tell people, you know, it's really, 
it's it's hard not to feel obligated to like fix someone's problem or answer their full question. Um, but it really is okay to say, I don't know, or I don't do that. Okay. Or both, honestly. So um, I want you to ask yourself what feels most aligned for you and who you're feeling called to read for. Is it just self? Is it just others? Is it a combination of the two? Have you ever noticed if you go through phases of one over the other and then just honor that, okay? Now, the next kind of step in all of this is talking about and thinking about the types of questions that you ask. So in the first Cardamancy episode, we talked a little bit about how to effectively word questions. Um, and, you know, that first episode is linked in the show notes. So even if you've listened to it before and you're like, wow, I would really like a refresher, go for it. The link's right down below. Um, you know, we talked about kind of how to effectively phrase questions in tarot, but more like bigger than that, honestly, how to phrase questions when we're doing any divinatory practice. Um, I think that if you're going to read for yourself or you're going to read cards for other people, you really need to give some genuine thought and intention to the types of questions that you are and are not willing to ask and abide by those boundaries for yourself. So personally, I don't, when I read for other people, you know, I'll ask all kinds of questions for myself in private with my tarot journal, you know, where only my eyes are. But <clears throat> there are uh, many questions in tarot and in astrology, actually, that I don't personally answer for people. It's not that I don't have the methodology or skill to ask those questions and potentially get an answer. Um, it's that I'm not willing to ask the question. And that's just the truth of my, that's, that, there's my comfort level. I don't have comfort with that. I am not willing to ask about the outcome of medical procedures. I'm not willing to ask about the outcome of medical illnesses, disorders, or diseases. So I don't ask things like, is this person going to die from cancer? Um, I don't ask, is this person going to have a miscarriage or a healthy pregnancy? I actually won't even ask things like, will this person ever get pregnant? Yes or no. Um, I don't ask, will this person ever get married? I, I don't ask anything related around when or how we're going to die. The reason is because, for me personally, it doesn't mean that you can't ask those questions. I know tons of readers that astrologers and tarot readers alike that will ask one or more of those questions. And that is fine to each their own. I don't because that is not the style of work that I do with people. I don't, I also don't use my tools that way, um, even for myself, quite honestly. I don't use the cards to find out outcomes. I'm, a, I'm like a quintessential witch about it. And I'm all about like, what is my impact on this outcome? how can I understand more about that so that if I want to shift that I can, you know? Um, and because I don't ask those types of questions, 
it took a little while, but eventually I didn't get clients that asked questions like that anymore. And I started just attracting clients that are much more similar to me and in the way that they use this information and the approach that they have to this information. Um, And that's what works the best for me. So I found very early on in my practice why it is and how it's so important to ask yourself, what questions are you and are you not willing to ask? both of other people and of yourself. And honestly, do you want to know what the easiest way to answer that for yourself is? Do you want to have this conversation? If the truth is revealed, if you ask and the truth is revealed to that big question, are you willing to have that conversation and all that may come from it? Because for me, that was why the answer was no. No, I am not willing to do that. Because for me, at least in my experience, I find that those kinds of questions are a bit of a domino effect. And they're much more rooted in fear and anxiety and insecurity than actual eagerness to take control of your life and your own energy and your environment and do something about it with information that you're given. I find that answering those questions tends to ripple out and topple into a lot of very similar questions. And it is very, very easy to find yourself feeling very in over your head by those types of questions. And suddenly, you'd be really surprised, but suddenly you'll feel like, huh, all of a sudden, I feel totally responsible for this whole person's life. Like, if those things do or don't come true, I feel like I have weight in this. And when it comes to reading tarot for other people, uh, you don't want to have weight in their in their lives. Meaning you don't want to take responsibility for any of their decision making or any of their judgments that they make, any moves that they make. We have to accept ethical responsibility and accountability as readers, if we read for other people, we have to accept the accountability that part of what we do is influence people's decisions and judgments. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to give you information that very, very well could influence decision that maybe you thought one way about it. And after you hear what I have to say, maybe you start thinking the other way about it. I accept that responsibility and I'm accountable for that which is exactly why I have very firm boundaries around certain questions. Because, you know, when it comes to giving insight into certain situations, I don't mind having that accountability. I I will stand by what I said through and through and through. But there are other questions that I could have given an answer to that I don't want that on me. I don't want that on me now and I don't want it on me in 10 years. Okay. So really ask yourself, am I willing to have this conversation? How invested am I willing to be in this person's situation? Because you'll find that the more questions of that style that you ask, the more invested and the more attached you'll be to that person, which we'll kind of get to toward the end of today, why um, forming attachments is a real slippery, slippery slope here. Okay. So if you find that the types of questions that this person asks, um, or maybe even the types of questions that are weighing on your heart that you want to ask for yourself, but you're like, wow, I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to have this conversation. I don't know if I'm 
going to be able to accept this truth and whatever information comes out on the other side of it, then don't ask. You can always revisit that issue later. It's something you can always change your mind on, but you can't ever take back what you do say. Okay. So it's better in my opinion, especially when you're starting out to be a little more boundary in the types of questions that you ask, because you can always open up more and more as you go on. Um, and if you are interested in reading cards of any kind for people on a professional level, I highly recommend creating your own ethics policy and putting it in one, if not more places on your website so that people can read loud and clear I don't read for people like this. So for example, I say on my website, I don't create space. I don't hold space in my environment, in my neighborhood for any kind of sexism, racism, bigotry, um, and really any kind of, of hatred and damaging hatred of any kind. Um, any elitism. I mean, I have all of these really listed out in black and white. And I say, I do not offer my insights and my spiritual information for other people to use it to harm somebody else. So I never take my information and teach people how to take advantage of other people, how to exploit other people, how to be dishonest with other people. So I will not ask my cards or look in your chart and tell you how to get away with an affair or cheating on somebody, for example, or how to steal from somebody or how to force somebody to do something or how to coerce somebody into something. I say all of these things on my website and I highly, highly recommend that you do the same thing and that you also tell every single new client. I, I tell this to every single new client and I also have my ethics policy in more than one place on my website and in more than one place in actually a couple of my platforms and a couple of different pieces of my content that clients have access to. So I highly recommend doing the same thing. It's a wonderful way to cover your ass, but it's even more than that. It's a wonderful and effective way to hold those boundaries for yourself. So the other thing when it comes to reading tarot and cards for yourself versus other people is you need to take into consideration there is going to be a different way that you interpret. This is for a few reasons, um, but namely because when you read only for yourself, you have your full perspective to take into consideration. All of your bias, all of your experience, all of your gained knowledge, all of your current thoughts and thought patterns, right? And habits, like these are all the things that you have to go off of when you're interpreting. When we start reading for other people, the knowledge and information that we have shifts a little bit. Um, the commonality here, whether we're reading just for self or reading for others, obviously is the cards themselves, right? But the way you interpret and how you infer the meaning card for card and especially for the spread as a whole, it will be different. It just will when you're reading for yourself versus others. It is very common um, that it feels more challenging to read for yourself. 
So I just want to put that out there. You're not doing it wrong. If it feels really challenging to read just for yourself, um, and maybe you see some of these tarot readers on Instagram and um, they just have this like really great flow and smooth style and they can just kind of rattle off these these great insights and interpretations for other people, whether it's on a live or it's a recorded video, (coughs) it's a podcast episode you're listening to, whatever it is. Keep in mind that, in my opinion, it's a lot easier to read for the collective and to read for another person than it is to read for ourselves. Because I think that we, when we're reading for ourselves, we are much more, uh, we, we really tend to more frequently go, is this just in my head or is this how it really is? Is this rooted in reality or is this just something I'm thinking about? Is this true or is this just my bias? You'll feel some of those thoughts and have some of those questions when you read for somebody else, but I find that they're just more common when reading for yourself. And I just want to say, there's nothing wrong with those. If you have those questions, join the club. I have those same thoughts too, still. And I have been reading tarot for a very, very long time now. And to this day, I will pull spreads and be like, what? I don't understand. I mean, I understand but am I sure that I understand? I feel like this is what it is, but what if it's this? And I go into those same questions for myself, okay? So it's really normal. I just don't want you to think that if you have those thoughts that you're doing it wrong, essentially. You're not doing it wrong. I want you to know what to expect when you're reading for self versus others, especially if you plan to do what I do, which is both read for people and read for yourself. Um, I'm I'm kind of a stages and phases girl. So I don't really have a hard boundary one way or the other. I only read for myself or I only read for other people. I read for both, but I find that I go through phases where I primarily focus on only reading for myself um, and phases where it's been a while since I've read for myself and I've been really focusing on reading for other people. I've been in a stage of self-reading for quite some time now. Um, and I have been feeling more and more called to doing more collective readings, which is part of the reason I wanted to do this episode. And I was like, let's also talk about how to do that. (laughs) Um, so just know that it's going to feel different and it's okay to question yourself. It's okay to feel a little skeptical in the reading. It's okay to want to do some checks and balances and be like, do I feel like this is really rooted in reality? And like, this is really what the message is telling me. Am I projecting it all here? Those are healthy questions to ask. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It actually means I think that you're doing a lot right. When you're reading for other people, you also have to take into consideration, sometimes you might know that other person and know them really, really well. So it's really easy for me to read for my husband, for example. It's really easy for me to read for my friends. Um, there's going to be an added challenge when you read for a stranger. And especially when someone doesn't give you a lot of background and a lot of context. I kind of had this old myth I kind of used to abide by on accident. I didn't even really mean to do it on purpose where I was like, well, if I ask them for any questions on their life or their background, they'll think I'm not a real tarot reader. And God, those were the early days, weren't they? And it took a little while for me to learn, like, I am not some stereotype, especially some mainstream stereotype of a psychic. And when you're really a part of the spiritual community and you really work in these spiritual practices, 
you know that that's not how these practices and skills work. And you know that it's not cheating um, and it's not unethical to ask people questions about their life or to ask them for clarification on something or to ask if the message is resonating with them. I personally find that my readings with other people are the most effective when I'm asking questions that get them interacting, that get them really active and participating in the in the entire reading and session with me. They're much more engaged. They're they're listening much more eagerly. They're going to retain and understand that information much more effectively. You'll find that the people that sit down with you and kind of cross their arms and refuse to give you any background information, their readings, no, they're not going to be very effective. Um, they, they might not even resonate very accurately because we are very much allowed to talk about and ask for more context. And I've even had a couple of clients in the past where these were back in my days where I would do high turnover tarot readings, you know, speed readings and stuff like that, um, which were fun. And I have a lot of good memories, but also not a sustainable lifelong practice for me personally. Um, I can't, I can't do that long-term, but when I was in that kind of field, you get, you know, you get some Joe Schmoes off the street. You get some people that come in and are like, oh, I think this is going to be cool and fun. What's going to happen? And then the the tarot cards are like, the truth's going to happen, bitch. And it's kind of a slap in the face experience. Um, and, and they're really not expecting you to ask all these different questions. And I've even had a couple of clients in those past days say things like, aren't you already supposed to know that? And it took me a little while to find my voice. And I would finally just say, no, that's not how this works. That's not even how psychic abilities work. That is a mainstream stereotype that pretty much no one fits into. Um, I, and I will, I just learned to start telling people. And if you had a reading with me, like a astrology session, you know, that I actually even say this to you during, at the beginning of an astrology session, but I'll, I say the same in tarot where I say, just so you know, this is going to be a very interactive experience. I'm going to be asking you questions because I want to make sure that not only is everything resonating with you, but that I'm guiding the reading in the direction that you need it to be guided in. I don't need to be going down paths and on tangents that mean nothing to you because I'm stabbing in the fucking dark. It, it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to stab in the dark. Just like when we're reading for ourselves, we get all that background information, right? We know our childhood experiences. We know our bias. We know all of our all of that. That doesn't mean we're cheating, right? Because we have all that information. Doesn't mean we're not skilled in reading the actual cards just because, because we have all that extra information. So it doesn't mean it either when it's for somebody else. So never be afraid to ask for more information from somebody and to ask for clarifiers, okay? Because it is going to impact the overall interpretation and hopefully impact it in a really positive and beneficial way for whoever you're reading for. Um, now, when it comes to, I wanted to have a little quick section here on length and duration of readings and the number of cards that you use. I find that this is a really common question, whether someone's reading um, for themselves or whether they're beginning to start reading for other people. It really depends. And this is 
all part of the overall like questions you kind of want to ask yourself and the different trials and errors that you want to be in a really observant place for yourself with. So how long feels too long to be in a reading? Okay. Um, and, and how long feels like way too short? Is there a duration of time that you're like, well, that would be too short of a reading. And again, this could be for when you're reading for yourself or other people. So for example, um, I didn't love the high speed, high turnover days. Like I told you, right? Because I am, hello, chatty Kathy. And I really, really like going in depth. I've got a Scorpio stellium at the IC, AKA the root of my chart. So I am a person of depth. I'm a person of intimacy. I want to go below the surface. And those are the types of readings that I really like doing for myself and for other people. So I, that was a trial and an error. Oh, I did this for a while. It was fun, but it's also not sustainable. It drains me a lot. I don't feel like I'm connecting as wholly with each client that I could be. Okay. And the same honestly goes for myself. I don't do a lot of quick readings for myself. A lot of people do, and it's really, really effective for them. So I still really encourage it for people if it's something that works for you. For me, I don't like feeling rushed at all. Um, I've never like carried my deck and pulled a card really quick because, and again, it's a total personal thing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, I love that that's a thing that people do. The thing of it is for me is that, I do. I feel rushed. I feel more wrapped up in my head. I feel like I'm not going to trust the answer as much. It For me and my mind's landscape and my third eye and just my relationship to spirit and my deck, my readings are the most effective for myself when I have the time and space that I really want in that moment to dedicate to it. And for me, that's a minimum of 30 minutes, Um, especially because I really take my time with my self readings because I don't get into such a state of channeling as easily. It's a, I have a Gemini Mars. So it's really easy for me when I'm reading for somebody else to do what I'm doing right now on the podcast. And I just kind of channel and, and hook into this other person and the subject matter and start going like this. And I can just get into that really good tarot flow that you see some readers have. When I'm doing it for myself, you guys, it is so stop and go. It is, it's so ADHD, <laughs> quite honestly. It's so like, I'm looking at this card here and then I'm looking at that one, but then I need to go back and then I'm going to look at all three of them, but then I'm going to break them down one more time. And then I need to journal about a few things because now I'm starting to have some intrusive thoughts and now I'm having some quick questioning myself things and I need to recenter for a second and then I can kind of continue this interpretation. The the process is a little bit scattered for me like that. And that's why it's effective for me to go, I need at least 30 minutes. Even if I'm just pulling anywhere from just one to two or, or three cards, I need a minimum of 30 minutes because I know that I want to really sit with the imagery, with the artwork, with the energy of the artist. I want to sit with my journal. Um, you don't have to do a tarot journal if you read for yourself. I do highly recommend it because I think it takes your practice to an entirely different level. I think it really helps you get out of your regular perspective and take on a little bit of a newer one or a more outside perspective for yourself. So I just think it's more helpful. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't do any kind of journaling 
writing anything down for when I'm reading for somebody else. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's not necessary. It's not necessary necessarily, (laughs) Um, but it can be really, really beneficial. There, there are tarot readers that do take notes while they do readings, notes on, on the cards, notes on things they've said and notes on what the clients say. So it really is about what works best for you and what makes you feel relaxed and aligned. The whole time you're reading cards, I don't care who you're reading for, your goal and intention should be should be to feel really relaxed and really aligned. It should not feel uncomfortable all the way from point A to point B. It's okay to have some moments of silliness and awkwardness and uncomfortable feelings. You know what I mean? I get that. But it shouldn't, the whole thing should not feel like, oh, this isn't right. Oh, this isn't right. And for me, it felt really forced and really jittery and really uncomfortable. And then I would just get pissed afterwards when I would try and rush my readings. And I'd be like, I got 10 minutes before I leave. I'm just going to pull a card for my day really quick. That works for lots of people. And if it does, please do it because I love tarot and any little way you can work it into your day is probably magical. Um, But if you're like me and that doesn't work for you, that is okay. And I just want you to know that. We are going to take a very quick break from today's lovely tarot episode to talk about today's episode sponsor, which is Goddess Provisions. And I was so excited to talk to you all about this month's box because it is tarot themed. Uh, today, or this month's box is called Ask and You Shall Receive. And it came with so many tarot goodies. I think it's really hard to pick my favorites this month. I think my favorite is the tarot box that came with this beautiful, really durable, leather, gorgeous, uh, reusable tarot box to put your cards in, um, which I really, really like for certain decks versus a tarot bag. Um, And it looks absolutely stunning on my altar. Um, But one thing I think that I loved almost just as much was the tea that we got this month was associated with a certain tarot card. And we received, each of us received a different tarot sticker. And mine was the world, which was amazing because I have been pulling the world card in like almost every single tarot reading I've been doing for myself lately, the past several weeks, honestly. And it was so cool to see that. Um, There was also a a little mini major arcana deck in there from Goddess Provisions um, with beautiful artwork of all 22 of the major arcana cards and that tea um, from Holy Santo. That was the company that, that provided the tea this month. That tea, uh, when you scan the QR code to read all about your uh, tarot sticker that you got, you actually get a free downloadable ebook with all 22 major arcana cards and meanings. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It was such a fun box to receive. I've already like been such a tarot lover forever, but this like totally rebirthed and reignited a whole new chapter of tarot for me. I I was so excited when I got it. If you want to get your box and you want to also get in on this tarot box, make sure you order yours today. You can do that in the show notes below. Um, It's only $33 a month and ships for free in the US. And I swear it is just like this little box of absolute magic delivered right to your door every single month. It's amazing. All right, everyone. Thanks. Back to the show. 
when it comes to number of cards um, and spread or no spread, those are the next kind of biggest subjects. How many cards, Danny, do I use a spread? Do I not use a spread? You're going to hate this. It depends. (laughs) It depends. Um, So the querent, when we're talking about tarot, the querent is the person opposite the reader. Sometimes you are both the reader and the querent, okay? If you're reading for yourself, you're both the reader and the querent. Um, But if you're reading for somebody else, your client is the querent. And it really, the number of cards, and if you're using an official spread versus no spread, and when I say spread, I mean the arrangement or layout of the cards, the visual layout. So, three cards go down in a vertical row and then one goes up on this, right? Like when you look up a spread on Pinterest or Instagram or wherever, or in one of your tarot books, or it might be in the back of the deck that you got and you see these little diagrams of where to lay the cards and they're numbered one through whatever. And then each number has a specific question. That's called a spread. Okay. Um, technically, Uh, it's still a tarot spread, even if you're not using a formal layout. I just want to make that clear. But right now, for our purposes of the podcast, when I say spread versus no spread, what I really mean is having a specific or formal layout versus having a more abstract or intuitive. So what does this look like? What's the difference between these two? Sometimes for myself or for clients, I look up or I intuitively create a formal spread or layout with specific questions, specific numbers, according to the diagram, et cetera, et cetera. I love making tarot spreads so much so that actually I was inspired by this episode. One of the things we're going to do in that witch school this semester um, really soon here is a little mini workshop with me on how to create your own intuitive spreads because I just love doing it so much. And I think it's really unnecessarily intimidating. However, and this is a big however, I do very intuitive, I do very intuitive spreads or readings as well. Meaning sometimes there is no layout. There is no one specific, this is card number one, this is card number two. So sometimes what happens, and this is probably a bit of a product of channeling, okay, a little bit of my mine or the other person's or the clearance spirit guides or the combination of the two kind of coming into play here. But you may have had a reading from me like this, actually, if you're any of my old tarot clients. Sometimes the way that the cards come out or the way I feel called to pull them, it begins very abstract. So we'll have a conversation about kind of the intention and the direction of the reading that day. We definitely nail down some really good specific questions so that we're really speaking those um, to the to the guides but sometimes more cards will come out than I asked or it, and this depends. Everyone reads, those are called jumpers when cards fall out of the deck. Everyone reads jumpers differently. Some people don't read any jumpers and they just pick them up and put them right back in the deck. Some people only read jumpers. And if nothing jumps out of the deck, they feel that the deck doesn't want to talk that day and then they won't ask anything. Again, you got to go with what you feel is right. You got to get to know your deck and nurture it in the way that it likes to be nurtured. 
I promise the more you practice with your deck, the more you will literally learn its preferences. It will become this little personified extension of you, like I said. Um, There have been readings where I'll talk and we'll have this conversation. We'll ask some good questions. And maybe when they first sat down, I was like, I'm going to do a Celtic cross today. That's a really common tarot spread, by the way. Just an easy example. Um, But then based on the conversation that we had and the questions that we ended up asking, I'm like, crap, I kind of want to do a more intuitive spread today. And what I'll do is I'll start pulling cards kind of one at a time and telling a story. And the spread ends up creating itself by the end of the reading. You could call this advanced tarot reading. I would call it intermediate to potentially advanced intuition, honestly. It's it's not necessarily the skill of the actual tarot. It's more about, are you able to tap into your mind's eye and your intuition and be totally guided by that in the moment without necessarily knowing what the next step of everything you're about to do is. So we'll have, again, in the same example, my client and I will have a conversation. They'll give me the background. We'll ask a lot of good questions and I'll go, okay, we're going to just kind of start pulling some cards here and telling a story. And I've always just call it the Pisces moon in the eighth house, that, that little psychic placement of mine. I, I, I don't ever know what the spread's going to look like. I don't ever know what the outcome's going to be, but that one part is what I do know. And it's why I say it. And I've just learned to trust it over the years and trust whatever comes out. So I just started saying in readings, Hey, I'm going to just, after all this, we've asked our questions. I'm going to start pulling cards and we're going to start telling a story based on all the information we have here today. And it's all going to come forward together. Um, and you know what? It always does. Almost like a perfectly little tied package with a bow at the very end. It always comes full circle. And my client and I are all, even, even when I do this with myself, by myself, by the end of the reading, I'm always able to go, oh, that's what this is all. I see. That's what this is. And honestly, usually the shape or layout of the spread ends up emerging really intuitively. This is a little more out there. It might even feel, even for tarot readers, it might feel a little woo-woo, I guess. But I really encourage you to try it. I it's something that, like I said, I just started doing years and years ago. And it's because I had to trust. I had a client sit down and I used to be really by the book in my tarot readings. And I had very sets. I had a tarot menu. It was really cute, actually. And you could pick from a certain amount of spreads and types of questions and stuff. And it was great for beginner queerants, people who had never, ever had a tarot reading before. It was nice to give them that structure. Um, But I found that these really intuitive readings, when I just trusted myself and I broke away from my own mold and structure, that my readings got more and more effective, that my answers and my insights became more and more illuminated. And I was able to give people significantly more impactful readings. And then I was able to give myself much more impactful readings because I was able to go, oh, I've been doing this for clients for a while. I could read my own tarot like this because I found that I stayed very by the book in my self tarot practice for a really long time. So structured um, and formal spreads 
are very effective and still very impactful. And like I said, I absolutely love creating them. I really like making those diagrams and coming up with those tarot prompts. So it's, it is a wholly valuable practice on its own. And this really kind of intuitive style where you kind of pull more abstract one card at a time and then the story and the spread kind of unfold before you and the querent is also just as wholly valuable is what I mean. So give both and all of these styles kind of a try, okay? Um, And then very, very last couple of things here. So like I said, you may find a journal or some kind of documentation or keeping a record really, really effective. And the reason is because when we open ourselves up in divination practices to receive messages like this, it's usually really overwhelming. We usually get a lot to work with, which is really beautiful problem to have. Um, but it can kind of be a lot to remember and it can kind of be a lot to retain, whether it's for you or the other person. So one thing that whether you're reading for yourself and or other people that I really encourage you to explore is, do you want to keep any kind of record? Do you want to make any kind of notes? Do you want to keep a journal? I do personally recommend that if you really want to like develop a tarot practice, like I want to start reading tarot for myself. I want to do it regularly. I want to feel really good at it, all those things. I am going to 99% of the time recommend that you dedicate a whole journal just to tarot practice. Eventually for me, you know, what's funny is that became my journal and tarot journal became the same thing. And I recently, because I've been in this um, stage where I've been reading mainly for myself for a while. Um, I have found that tarot and journaling just go hand in hand for me personally. They just do. So I finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to always journal when I tarot, when I tarot, when I read tarot. Um, and then on the flip side, if I'm going to reach for the cards, I'm just going to grab my journal and I'm going to write down some of my thoughts around it. The entries are different. Sometimes it's very structured. And again, I'm drawing a diagram of a spread with numbered questions, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I'm just pulling one card. Sometimes I'm pulling 10 cards, but I'm just kind of doing a diary entry. You know what I mean? I pulled these cards and I just kind of spew onto the paper a few paragraphs about what thoughts and feelings and such came up for me. Um, So for me, tarot and journaling just... They're not mutually exclusive, but they work so well for me that I just decided to lean into it. And I just always do both together now. I'm like, if I'm going to pull out my journal, I'm just going to also pull out my cards. I might as well at least pull a card while I'm journaling anyways. And again, I do it vice versa. So um, keep that in mind. <clears throat> for your clients, if you are reading for other people, you may find that they come back to you over and over again and go, what was that card and what did it mean again? And so for me, um, what I started doing is I make every single client take a picture of their spread or if it's a virtual reading that I'm doing online, I take a picture and I send it to them always. Baseline, always. I don't very often type out the interpretations um, for the other person, but I have 
And that is definitely something you can incorporate into your, into your offerings that you do for people. Okay. So if it feels really good and aligned for you to do a reading for somebody, take a picture of the spread and then type out some brief, but effective summary of that. So they have some tangible summary or some tangible thing to take after the reading. Um, I think that that's a great idea. And I fully, fully support that. I mostly support whatever is sustainable for you. So if that's too much work for you and it's too much to take on, don't do that. And again, for me, there are some readings I do that. Um, Most readings I don't. All readings, I take a picture. Um, If I'm reading for myself and I don't take a picture, I write down whatever the cards were. I like try to draw a little diagram and write down what the cards were, even if I don't jot down my interpretation, even if I don't jot down my thoughts. I always make and keep record of the spread itself only because I have personally found that I love love referencing back on that. I love getting to look back on that. I So many more connections and insights come through when you let some time pass and you go back and reflect on a reading. So if that's true for when I do it for myself, eh, don't you think maybe it's true for my clients? So that's why I always have them take a picture or I take a picture and send it to them because then they have that visual image and at least they can go, oh, this was reverse queen of swords. I remember Danny saying this about the queen of swords. And that way, if they do have any extra questions that come up or clarification that they want, they can still reach out to me and go, that reverse queen of swords for some reason keeps popping into my head. What did you say about that card again? That's totally an acceptable thing to ask. Um, And I always encourage my clients to ask me questions like that, even if it's been weeks since our readings, because sometimes thoughts and questions and connections come through weeks or months or even years after a session or a reading. So, you know, call it the little, the little document or the little recorder in me. I do write everything down. That is true. But I also find it to be beneficial. I don't just write it down and never look at it again. I really do reference it. And it's been immensely helpful for me. So keep that in mind. Lastly, we talked about this a little bit on the first episode, and we'll probably at least briefly mention it for about any divination, especially tarot episode, is after you read it, whether it's for yourself or other people, it is important to ground and cleanse your energy. It is so important to ground and cleanse your energy afterwards. You were just spending a lot of time in the ether and in the spirit realm, okay? You had all your guides. You probably had their guides. Some of y'all's ancestors may have been there. Um, There was a lot of energy being exchanged, coming out of you, going into you. You need to ground. I don't care if you were just reading for yourself. I don't care if it was just one card sit there for the literal 10 seconds that it takes to close your eyes and envision your energy grounding itself. Sometimes for people that's growing roots out of your legs or your limbs and they're growing into the ground. Sometimes it's looking around the room and picking out five things. That's a a really common one in uh, therapy that I learned in therapy years ago is to pick out, um, you do the five, four, three, two, one, five things that you can see four things you can feel, three things you can hear, 
two things you can smell and one thing you can taste. And the nice part about that last one is you can like pop a mint or a piece of gum or take a really nice cold drink of water or a nice hot drink of tea or something like that with a contrasting temperature like that. Um, all of those are very, very grounding because it's bringing you into your very present and physical environment and body. Um, so whatever best does that for you, even if it only takes five to 10 seconds, whatever that method is, do it. And then envision cleansing that energy, release, release what you have taken on whether it's you've taken on someone else's baggage for a little while during the reading or whether it was you just had to really unearth and dig up a lot of your inner child's baggage, whatever that is, release. Maybe a bunch of resentment came up. Maybe a bunch of pain came up. Maybe a bunch of anger. Maybe a bunch of sadness. Now, this is why I believe in the journaling aspect, and I really think it's important to name those feelings and to explore them first. And then I think it's important that we allow them to dissipate and we allow them to, that's what transmuting is, okay, is when we release it and it's therefore cleansed and transmuted and that energy is sent out back into the universe for its highest good, okay? Um, And when you're reading for other people, or when you're reading for yourself about deeply personal issues or areas of life that bring up a lot of attachment for you. Maybe it triggers your own avoidant attachment. Maybe it triggers your own insecure, anxious attachment. Um, Maybe you really invested into this memory that got brought up or you invested into this experience you just relived for yourself. Maybe you just got really invested in this experience this client said for you, whatever it is you may find it very, very effective after you ground and cleanse to do some kind of detaching. So you can visualize yourself literally detaching from this person, detaching from the bonds that you just created during that reading. This is not a selfish act. This is not an evil or bad act. It is actually a very, very effective one that if all humans participated in more often, we would take a lot more responsibility for our own emotions and stop putting them on other people. Um, so tap into that Aquarius, wherever it is in your chart. Um, but also there's a few signs in there that I could. Taurus, Capricorn, Virgo, all the, all the earth signs um, and all the air signs um, are the best at detaching, I would say, um, and working with that energy that's like, I release this. Okay, so um, if you have placements in any of those areas, it would be wonderful to tap into those um, after a reading and really detach from those things because you can take and absorb all that you need to in that moment during that reading for yourself or with somebody else. And then you can give yourself the permission to release it and totally detach from it. You will be, I promise, you will be a more effective reader for yourself and others if you do this, okay? All right, everybody. I would love to know any additional questions that come up for you about all of this. And even more so than that, I would love to know what areas of tarot that you would want to talk about here on the show. You can get at me um, at thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjure that witch. And if you're in that witch school, you know that I'm just a DM away. All right. You can always send me those suggestions and those questions. Thank you so, so much for your time today and every day. I love talking about all this magical stuff with all of you. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. Stay safe, have fun, and stay magical out there. Hey neighbor, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of That Witch Podcast. 
If you want to support the show and get your hands on some really magical goodies, make sure you check out some of the awesome companies that I'm an affiliate for in the show notes below. You can also leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes as well as Spotify now. And really the best way to support that witch podcast is just by sharing the show online, like your social media platforms, or telling a friend that you think would enjoy it. If you're looking for more magical content like bonus episodes, classes I teach, and support in your witchcraft, make sure you come check us out in that witch school, my magical monthly membership with a very welcoming private online community. And don't forget to subscribe to my email list for weekly astro forecasts, journal prompts, and more, and stay up to date with all the happenings here in the neighborhood.